Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Uh, We've been in this collection um, called uh, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And where a lot of this content, where a lot, a lot of this was inspired was um, Peter Scorzero, who's an incredible author and pastor. He, he writes this series of emotionally healthy books. So it's emotionally healthy leadership, emotionally healthy relationships. Um, one that has truly impacted my life more than probably any other resource other than the Bible that I've read is this one right here is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And it is just so rich in content of how we can become more emotionally healthy. It's, it's, our life isn't just, our, our, our walk with God, rather, is not just about our spiritual maturity, but it's our, about our emotional maturity as well. So I'd encourage you uh, to, to find this resource. I mean, you know, it's not hard to find. Amazon, hello. Um, and, and invest time in yourself. And, and check this out. It's, it's an incredible resource, but there's a theme verse that we've been going off of um, in Mark 12, verses 28 through 30. Some context, Jesus was having a discussion or a debate, and he was asked this question. Um, it says this, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important, I'm sorry, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord, so love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself, so love others. No other commandment is greater than these. And I think it's amazing because here we have Jesus who, in this time, there were 10 commandments and over 600 different laws. And Jesus distills the two most important things that we could do as, as, as believers, as people, as Christ followers, to love God and love others. To love God and to love others. Now, loving God and loving people, let me tell you this, they are not mutually exclusive. They are intimately connected. So that's why it's important that we grow in both of these areas. And what I'm discovering is that the thing that keeps us from loving others is not so much our spiritual maturity. It's not so much our spiritual maturity. I think that, uh, that, that I mean, obviously spiritual maturity permeates every area of, of your life. However, what I have found and what we've recognized, and especially after reading all these resources and digging into the Bible, that what really prevents us or hinders us from loving people the way that we're called to do is actually our emotional maturity. Are we emotionally mature enough to love people for who they are the way that God does? And that is a huge challenge in our life, which is what has inspired this emotionally healthy relationships collection. And this is why a person can go and they can read their Bible and pray their prayers and give their tithe and do all the Christian-y stuff, but still have a hard time connecting with others still have difficulties in, in, their, in their marriages or their friendships or their relationships with their kids. And we all have struggles and issues. That's fine. However, we need to also be willing to commit to growing in different areas of our life so that we can overcome those things and be more and more like Jesus. And the way that we do that is not just through spiritual maturity, but it's through emotional maturity as well. Peter Scarzero, the author of those books, he he says this, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And here at Sozo Church, we are committed to helping people become emotionally and spiritually mature followers of Jesus. And so I'm, I'm, I've been loving this collection. And today, 
as I've been preparing, and like I said, there were like four different directions I could have gone. There was just a burden on my heart to talk about something that is, is so personal. It's about something internal inside of all of us. So turn to someone and say, it's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's me. If it's, we're talking about something that is so internal and so personal, but it, it impacts every part of our life so, so heavily. And today, here's the deal, is my hope is that, and maybe it's just me, but I think you can do this too, is you can sit in a, in a message, in a sermon, or what a TED Talk, or whatever you're listening to, and think, oh, whew, so-and-so really needs to hear this one, right? Like, you're like, oh, man, I got this down, but oh, I got I to share this with, with whoever. My hope today is that we all sit together as a family and in, in, in your individual seats, and you take some personal inventory. You examine your heart, you examine your life, so that we can better understand ourselves, which in turn will help us understand God and connect with other people. We're not talking about how, how to find the right groups of friends or find the right people. That's external. But today we're going to talk about something more personal, which is more around becoming the right person, becoming the God, person that God has called you to be. And today we're going to be talking about how important our identity is. Today, if, if, you're, if you're taking notes, the title or the topic of the message today is this, is who am I? Discovering our true identity. Who am I? Discovering our true identity. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today. I thank you for every single person in this room. God, I pray right now that you would speak to all of our hearts, that you would reach us in this place, and that God, today, the words that I speak, they're not mine because I'm not an expert. But God, that I would only communicate what you have for, for these people, for this incredible group of, of loved, cared for, accepted, and affirmed sons and daughters of you, God. Help us walk out of here today better than how we were when we walked in. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Your, your identity is a big deal, right? Like, how you identify is, 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 is a pretty big deal. Uh, if you don't know, well, we'll talk about that today, and hopefully we'll be on the same page by the end of, of this 30 minutes. And it's not just in the spiritual realm. I think practically as well, your, your identification is really, really important. I've been here for um, just over three years, and do not judge me, but last week I, I just went in for my California driver's license. Um, and I know, I, I, you know, don't look at me like that. I, I know, I know how you, what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Um, it... It is actually very important, though, that I went and did that. See, and we're not going to talk about this today, but it's coming to be the elections. And it's so important for me as, as a contributing member of society to exercise the power of my voice and vote. But the thing is, is, if I don't have my identification, if I don't have my California driver's license, I can't vote in the state of California. And so it was important for me to get my identity straight so that I could live and do the things that I am called or that I'm, I'm empowered to do as, as somebody who's living in California. Now, I know that may be a silly illustration, but I, I actually think that's a really practical example of how our identity works when it comes to our identity in Christ as well. That when we don't have the proper identity, it actually prevents us from contributing effectively in the kingdom of God and to the people around us. It's so important for us to have our identity aligned in the right place. But so many of us do not know our true identity. 
And I think one of the things I've discovered that impacts our relationships the most is not knowing who we truly are, not knowing our true identity. When we don't know who we are, we don't understand our emotions or how we feel or who God has made us to be, what ends up happening is time over time and year after year, we become less and less human. And we start to become these kind of empty shells with smiley faces on them sometimes or frowny faces depending on who you are. We become empty, and that impacts every area of our life. It affects us spiritually. Augustine said this, how can you draw close to God when you are far from yourself? That is an incredibly strong quote. How can, how can you relate, or how can you draw close to God when you are far from yourself? And I, I am of the opinion that God actually only wants to connect and only can connect and bless the real you, not the fake you. But when you don't know who you are or you have a false identity, what ends up happening is it hinders your relationship with God and it hinders your ability to contribute to the kingdom of God. But it doesn't just affect us spiritually, it affects us relationally and emotionally as well. Eric Erickson, um, who is a a German-American psychologist, he said this, in the social jungle of human existence, there is no feeling of being alive without a sense of identity. Wow. There is no feeling of being alive without a sense of identity. That is such a strong point. That for us to feel truly alive, we need to know who we are. We need to know who we've been created to be. But the reality is this, is that a vast majority of us, we go to our graves never knowing who we truly are. We never know who God has made us to be. And, and, and moreover, what ends up happening is we, we can actually end up believing a false self or, or putting on a front of who we think our identity should be, and it ends up preventing us from connecting God, with God in, in, in the way that we're supposed to. What ends up happening is when we are false to ourselves, we close off an open door through which to know God. God wants to, to know you deeply and intimately. He wants you to know yourself deeply and intimately, but the real you, what ends up happening is, is we, we do a few things. Maybe we live someone else's life. We live, again, within a false identity. Or maybe, like Pastor Jason talked about last week, we live within someone else's expectations for what our life should look like. And we hide behind these things that we never know who we truly are. And what ends up happening is this, is that when we live in a false self, we have a false security of who we think we are, which is actually, false security is insecurity. And when we are insecure, do you want to know what the, one of the ugliest things that you can bring to your relationships is? Insecurity. Not just your relationship with other people, but your relationship with yourself. You, can, you have a relationship with yourself. I know that kind of sounds crazy, but you do. And when you're insecure and you do not know who you are, it, it, it totally impacts and negatively impacts our life. And not only that, but it, it impacts our relationship with God, our insecurity. It is one of the ugliest things that we can bring to our relationships all around us internally and spiritually. Insecurity, it damages all of our relationships. And the be- one of the best things that we could do is bring security to those things. When we, when we are secure in ourselves and who we are and we bring that to the table, oh my gosh, what an incredible relationship that we can have. We live off this ideal that you complete me, someone completes me, when the reality is, is no one can complete you. Only God can fill that hole that maybe you're looking to to fill. 
And so what ends up happening is we live in this fantasy of, oh, someone completes me. And so we go to all of our relationships with ourselves, with others, and with God, a half person, never knowing who we truly are, holy are. And so we cannot bring all that we are supposed to bring to the table. We need to be, understand how we can be complete in ourselves and find our identity. But the enemy sells us lies about who we are and gives us a false identity. Here's, here's my belief. My belief is that sometimes... The enemy's greatest attack isn't for us to fall into some crazy sin, like some like bizarre sin thing, but rather I believe a that he wants us to believe a terrible lie about ourselves, and that, that's, that's the start. My thought is this, is the devil cannot make us deny a true God. He'll try to get us to live in a false self. If the devil cannot make us deny a true God, he will convince us to live in a false self. And it's detrimental to everything. And this, this doesn't just happen to, to the common man. This happened to Jesus. The main scripture I'm going to be uh, reading out of today is in, in Luke chapter 4. And this, this is a scripture where Jesus, he goes out into the wilderness. He's just been baptized. And so he goes out in the wilderness for 40 days. Um, and, and I just want to set up some context. Jesus at this rate is 30 years old. He has not done miracles. He's not died on the cross. He's just like a regular guy. But obviously there's a special moment which we'll talk about later in his baptism. And, and so he's getting ready to, to do his ministry. And the devil finds him in the wilderness. And so Luke 4, if, again, if you're taking notes, and I'm going to read out of the NLT. It's the temptation of Jesus. And it says this, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the, into the wilderness, where he was then tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all at that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, look at the devil. If you are the son, if you, if you are who you say you are, then tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But then Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are a son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. It's interesting how the devil's trying to flip the scripture to fit what the devil wants. Different conversation, different message, different day. Then Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not testify the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting him, um, he left Jesus until the next opportunity came. To set, I, mean, I, I just, this, this passage, this whole section of scripture is so rich with information. And, and what it does is it highlights areas, when we look at the text, it highlights areas, three major areas where we, us as people, we can try to find our identity. We find a false identity. And, and, and these are just kind of three major buckets. There's, there's some minor ones that we'll discuss later as well. But I really want to kind of dig apart this text and talk about these three buckets of areas that you and I very commonly try to find our identity, but ends up leaving us empty. And the first one is this. If, 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 again, if you're taking notes, the first one is this. I am what I do. I am what I do. It's all about your performance. How true is that? How many times do we try to identify ourselves by what we do? 
This is what the devil says to Jesus. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are who you say you are, then do this. Then, then prove it by what you do. Again, Jesus did nothing until this point. He was 30 years old. He had no contribution, per se, to the world yet. And our culture does the same thing to us. What have you achieved, the world will ask us. What have you actually done? Have you been as useful as you should be? And we hide ourselves behind this false identity of we are what we do. Most of us, we only consider ourselves worthwhile if, if we've been successful in, in our workplace or in our families or at our, at our church or in our relationships or wherever that may be. We look to our success to find value and worth in our identity. The world pushes this temptation um, that you are defined and identified by what you have done not just for who you are. But the amazing thing about God, and we'll find the resolution later, is that he believes very differently. That God loves you just for who you are. Just, just for your very being. He just loves you and he cares for you. And I'll prove it to you a little bit later. This is a really easy temptation to fall in. I, I remember, um, so like I told you guys, we were, uh, we've been here for almost, uh, just over three years rather. And before coming to San Francisco, um, my wife and I, we served on uh, a team uh, at, at a very large church in Florida, and we were on the pastoral team there. Um, and this, I think as I say this, it almost sounds silly, but I hope that, that you can relate with this, is that um, we had the privilege of leading and, and doing amazing things with, with the youth group there. It was growing. It was really thriving. We were seeing not just students uh, grow in numbers. We were seeing a lot of students become leaders, then going off into college and continuing um, a lot of their passions. I mean, we just, we saw a lot of fruit from the ministry that we were a part of, but we felt like God had called us to be a part of San Francisco and to be a part of this church. Um, and I remember, um, and it sounds silly, but when, when you're in that type of leadership, you're almost treated a little bit differently. And that's not what I was looking for by any means, but what ends up happening is you kind of get used to it. You go to the grocery store or something like that, and people recognize you, especially when you work with people's kids. Because we, we care about our kids. We want to make sure they're cared for. And so when you're caring for other people's kids, you're treated very, very differently. And I remember feeling so much, I guess, gratification and, and identity in doing that. that man, I, I, I get to be a part of all these students in their lives. I get to communicate. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. However, when I remember coming to San Francisco, and we, I mean, we knew it was going to be hard, but not knowing until we actually got here and stripping that part of my life away, realizing how much of my identity I found in doing that, in being, a, 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 like, I don't know, like in being a, a professional pastor or whatever that was. Like, it sounds so silly now when I look back at it. However, I remember having moments of, of, of great stress because I'm like, I, I, what am I doing now? What I'm doing is not significant compared to what I was doing in Florida or whatever that may be. And God taught me very quickly that I could not find my identity there. And I know this sounds like maybe you're like, okay, hashtag Christian problems, whatever. But <laughs> I believe that we can all relate to this to a degree. That maybe there was something you've done or you used to do that you found your identity in. Because, and it's, it's not, those things aren't bad, but it's when we find our security and our identity in them, that's when they can become troublesome. And that's why I believe in Matthew 7, 23, it says this. He says, Man, people, many people will come to me and say, Jesus, Lord, I have cast out demons in your name. I've done this. I've, I've, I've done all these things in your name. And, and Jesus will look at them and say, yeah, but I never knew you. I never knew your heart. Yeah, you did all this stuff, but I never knew who you really were. 
And I actually don't think that you knew who you were either. It's so important for us to understand that we are not what we do, that our performance does not define us, that that's not where we find our identity. The second temptation that the devil throws at Jesus and one that we commonly find is this is, I am what I have, our possessions. Oh, especially in this culture here. We, we have access to so many different things and it's easy to find our identity in those things. What ends up happening is in this story, the devil showed Jesus all the wonders and power of the world. And, um, and he says, look, look what everyone else has. Essentially, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but like, look what everyone else has. Don't you want this? I can give it all to you if you would just obey me. Putting Jesus in a place where he has to compare what he has with what he could have, hoping to get him in a moment of insecurity. That is so common in our world today. Our culture measures success by what we own. Do you have that house? Do you have that car? Do you have that Tesla? Do you have that? Do you, it's this laundry list of things. That's why marketers spend over $15 billion a year in the U.S. to market to children and adolescents. I, I wish I had the stat for everybody, but they market towards them to believe that they have to have the new thing. They have to have the new toy, the new iPad, the new whatever it may be. And what ends up happening is not only do you and I as adults live that way, but now it's being bred into our children to grow up and, uh, and feel that they are defined or that some part of their identity is found in the things that they have or that they don't have. And it gets crippling. It's not, God has never intended us to find our identity in those things. As adults, how often do we measure ourselves through the comparison lens? I know I do it. I'm, this, this is, let me just tell you, all this stuff I'm talking about, one, 99% of this content was found in the Bible or this book. I'm not an expert. I'm not coming to you say, oh, I've overcome this. No, I'm, I want to have a conversation with you today as we all tend to fall into these things. How often do we feel that our identity is, is wrapped up in what we own or what we don't own? We feel, if I just had the next thing, if I just had the, if I just had whatever it may be. So much so, I know friends who, who the moment they get a pay raise or some sort of break financially, they look for the next thing to spend that money on versus having that margin, which actually the margin would do better for your life than that new whatever you're looking for. Because we chase the next thing and the next thing because we believe it's going to add some significance to our life. That's a, that's, a, that's a terrible path to be in. That's another false self. We feel that we are what we own. The third one is this, is I am what others think. Popularity. Some of us are so addicted to what other people think about us. And the devil, what he does, he invited Jesus to throw himself off the highest spot in the temple so that people might see and believe him. It's a, it's a sense of, hey, are people, people are going to actually see what you can do and then they'll believe you. What, happen, what has happened is we've become trapped into living a pretend life out of an unhealthy concern of what other people think. Again, at this point, Jesus, no one really thought much of Jesus. He wasn't the miracle performing, water to wine making guy that... We all know and love. He was 30 years old. His ministry had not started yet. So it was easy for him. It would have been easy for him, rather, to feel that he needed to define himself by a sense of popularity of what other people thought. But in true Jesus fashion, he shuts down the devil. He says, don't test my dad. <laughs> I know you just try to use the scripture against me, but actually, this is what the scripture says. And he shuts him down because he knows who he is. And that he is loved for who he is, not for what other people think about him. 
I think that someone in here needs to, needs to know today that you are loved just for who you are, not because of what other people think about you. Jesus loves you for who you are. My question for you, Sozo Church, is where do you find your identity? Where is it that you find your identity? Is it in what you do, what you have, or what others think about you? Or maybe it's a smaller thing. Do you find your identity in your job title? Can you get that senior label in front of your name so that it puffs yourself up a little bit? Do you find your identity in your political party? Do you find your identity in your family name or your sexual orientation or your possession or lack of possessions or your influence or your failures or, or what has happened to you? I cannot tell you how many people define themselves by what has happened to them. Where do we find our identity, Sozo Church? Because I do not want us to be a church of people who go throughout our entire life never knowing who we truly are. And until we refocus ourselves and find our identity in the proper place, that's just what's going to happen. And so how do we combat this? It's been a lot of doom and gloom. I'm not usually like this. This was a very difficult message. For, I'm like, I, I want to encourage you and inspire you. Like, I feel, I feel depressed right now. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but luckily, there's, there's a solution. God always provides a solution. So how do we, how do we fight this? How do we fight this urge to find our identity in all these places that don't matter? And you're like, Nate, well, how do I know if it doesn't matter? I would challenge you this way, that if it could be ripped away tomorrow, that's not where you should find your identity. So, so how do we combat this? What do we have to do in order to find our identity in our true self? And if we read back just a few verses, because here's the deal, is people could read this story and be like, well, yeah, it's Jesus. No kidding, he could deny the devil. I'm just a human. I, I don't know if I can do that. But if, if we read back just a few, roughly 10 to 20 verses before he goes into the wilderness, this is where we find our answer. And then you see it we throughout the entire story in Luke 3, 21 through 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying. Heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Just think about this moment right here. Again, I, I, I can't tell you enough. Jesus is 30 years old. He's not really done anything yet. And he knows what he's called to do. He knows what his next step's supposed to be. But so far, he hasn't done much to, to showcase, you know, why he's on this planet yet. But in that moment, before Jesus does anything, God looks at him and he says, you are my son. Look at that identifier right there. You can't rip away your, whether or not you are a son or a daughter. That's something that cannot be taken away. You are my son whom I love that affection that he has for him. With you, I am well pleased. That affirmation. Look at the love and the care and compassion that God shows towards Jesus before he even does anything. And so then what we have is this, is Jesus has that as his foundation to walk into the wilderness so that when the devil comes at him, guess what? He knows who he is, who he truly is. And so if we want to know who we truly are, we see it here and we see it throughout the rest of the scriptures, this. We know who we are when we know what God says. We know who we are when we know what God says. 
I know this is kind of simple. This isn't like a rah-rah, hype you up. But man, it is, it is a truth that will transcend throughout your entire life. When you know what God says about you, you will then know who you are and who he has made you to be. And wherever you may be today, here's my desire for you, is that this stirs up something for you to become uh, challenged and encouraged to, to seek out the word of God and become a whole individual. Think about how this works. Jesus, who has not done anything yet, he's not done anything to prove his whatever in this life. God looks at him before he could do anything. He says, let me tell you what I say about you. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. He walks out into the, in the wilderness. The devil comes at him. What does Jesus say? Well, the scripture says this. Guess what my daddy says? Guess what God says? And the next time he hits him, guess what God says? In the same way, when we understand, when you and I understand what God says, we can look at whatever temptation we have, whatever thing that enemies trying to throw at us and say, you know what? I am not what you say I am. I'm not what I possess. I'm not what I do. I am firm in my foundation that I know what God says about me. I am his son. I'm his daughter. He loves me. And with me, he is well pleased. What I love is that Jesus doesn't just use this as a foundation, but he uses it as a weapon as well. When you use the word of God as your foundation and your weapon, man, your life is changed. Do you know what God says about you? Because guess what? That can't be ripped away. Do you want to, just as we close to maybe encourage you a bit more because I don't want to end on this like, you know, okay. Do you know what God says about you and his word? I'm, I'm just going to rattle off a few things because I think that you need to be reminded today. And my hope is that this would inspire you, encourage you to continue to pick up his word and see what it is that he says about you and find your identity in that. The Bible says this, because you're in Christ, he says that you are now free in Jesus' name. Because you are in Christ, there's no condemnation that you are acquitted. Because you're in Jesus, you are forgiven. You are loved. You are more than capable to do whatever it is that he's called you to do. Because you are, are, are in Christ, you are accepted and affirmed because you are in Christ. You are sanctified. You are, you are holy. Not because of what you've done or what you own or what people think about you, just because of what Jesus says about you. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but let me just tell you, you are loved. You are a son or a daughter of God. You are loved. And with you, he is well pleased. And when we decide to find our identity in him and those things and what he says, it impacts us personally. We get to know ourselves more. It impacts us spiritually. We get to know the heart of God more. And it impacts us relationally. We start to be able to connect with others and see them the way that God sees them because you actually know how he sees you. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.